0: this morning, turn to the book of Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. If you were here before uh, with us, uh, we were in, in Luke chapters 1 and 2 just a few weeks ago. Luke chapter 4, though, is where we want to begin this morning. Um, here we are at the, at the beginning of this new year, and really, as Pastor Ben mentioned, a, a new decade. And so with that, there's a lot of a lot of beginnings, right? A lot of new beginnings for uh, any year uh, now we start we start sometimes with new budgets, uh, businesses start on a new fiscal year in a few days we 're going to begin a new semester at in our in our schools. Uh, many of you are uh, facing some other new things, but this this time of year we tend to begin. New things, right? This 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 season, and we're at the beginning of this new year and this new decade. Luke chapter four actually records many beginnings for Jesus. As I mentioned a moment ago, the, the, his conception is recorded, uh, and the events surrounding that is recorded in chapter one. In chapter two, he is his. his uh, His birth is recorded. Those, of course, were significant beginnings. But chapter 4 records the beginning of his ministry. Jesus, in chapter 4, Jesus is about 30 years old. A long time, a lot of years have have come and gone between the time that he was born in that stable in Bethlehem to the point where he is now. And Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, 2 tell us this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, let me just pause there, he had just been baptized in the Jordan River, that's another story, John the Baptist baptized him, he was full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit in the desert or into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of those days, he was hungry. This was an extremely pivotal time in Jesus' life. He knew this. He knew this. He knew going into this time, uh, following that baptism, he knew that this was going to be a major hinge point in his life. It was a pivotal time, and verse 2 tells us that While he was led by the Holy Spirit into this desert place, into this wilderness, it says he ate nothing for 40 days. No food for 40 days. It's a long time. You miss a meal and, and, and you feel it. Can you imagine missing however many they ate then, 80 or 120 meals one after another for 40 days? Jesus just drank water. Now understand, Jesus was not dieting. This was not, you know, he had too much, you know, uh, good Jewish food and he wanted to lose some weight. This was not a diet. This was not a hunger strike. A hunger strike is someone who wants to make a point or draw attention to oneself. I, I doubt that anyone actually even knew about this at the time. Any other person, that is. I doubt that any other person knew that he was doing this. This was not a hunger strike where Jesus was drawing attention to himself or to his cause. Rather, he was fasting and praying. Now, true, it's not mentioned, the the word prayer is not recorded here, but it's, it's strongly implied we know what he was doing. This means that he has... He had pushed aside one of the essentials of life, right? And food is among the highest of essentials of life. You know that you go too long without it and you will die. You will suffer. Your body will pay the price if you go much beyond 40 days. But Jesus pushed aside this essential for a time, for a long time to spend additional time and focus time seeking God. What he was doing, I'll comment on in a moment, but but it was a spiritual battle. And Jesus was, was pushing aside this one thing so that he could focus himself, give himself completely to seeking his heavenly Father. You have to understand that Jesus had a relationship with God that was unprecedented, of course. He's the Son of God. I, I don't think that we can understand this side of heaven, just the closeness of the Father and the Son. We have an idea at times in different places throughout the Gospels, but there was a closeness. And yet Jesus said no to one important thing so that he could spend additional time in focused prayer with his heavenly Father. And, and while Jesus was doing this, he also, however, knew that others had done this before. The relationship was different. The relationship was different with these other people and God, but others before him had done this. Godly people throughout Scripture, it's recorded, it's all in the Bible, godly people throughout Scripture had fasted and prayed. Moses and Elijah themselves, very big figures in the Old Testament. Moses was the giver of the law. Moses was the man that God used to deliver the people out of 400 years or hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. Uh, Moses was the man that that God used to give the law to his people. Essentially, what we know as the Ten Commandments, it was more than that, but God used Moses. and, and, And during that time, he fasted and prayed for 40 days. Elijah, If you were here this last summer, we spent a lot of time looking at the person of Elijah, this this man also, this prophet of God, this man who could pray and fire came down out of heaven, this man who prayed and and a drought was ended, this man also fasted and prayed for 40 days. There was a king named David, the, the greatest king of the nation. He was a man who gave himself to fasting, pushing aside food and prayer. Also a queen named Esther. That's a great story. You can read it later in the book of Esther. But a queen named Esther fasted and prayed, the Bible says, for three days on behalf of her people. She interceded. She pushed aside this essential so that she could pray to God on behalf of her people. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was this, this man who, who, he was Jewish but he was in a far off country. He was a butler to another uh, foreign king and 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 yet God used him to fast and to pray for his home country and his home city or the his ancestral city of Jerusalem. He was later used to build a wall around it, but but before all of that happened, the Bible says that Nehemiah, for a long, unspecified period of time, fasted and prayed, so did a young man named Daniel you know about Daniel and three other young men, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and perhaps there were a few others who, who, who were, were taken in captivity to a, another co- country. And, and, and in that place, they, they had a fast as well. It was a limited fast. They, they ate only certain foods. They said no to certain things for a, period of, a, a long period of time, for, for actually for, for three weeks so Jesus was in really good company. He knew about these other people who had gone before him and certainly others who had pushed aside an essential and said, I I, want to focus in on my heavenly father. During these 40 days, during these 40 days, Jesus pushed aside one thing to give himself to another, to prayer. And Jesus also fought Satan in ways that no words can describe here. It says that he 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 was tempted by the devil for those 40 days. We know three of those temptations. They're recorded in a couple of different gospels, but but I I think that it was it was a temptation constantly. I think it was it was difficult for the entire 40 days, where the enemy would would come against him and Jesus, Jesus would fight in prayer and, and he would battle in prayer against. This satanic force before Satan himself. He was a man who, who, who was the son of God, but also the son of man, but he gave himself to prayer and fasting for those 40 days. I'm so grateful that he did. Following that time of concentrated prayer, in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says Jesus began his public ministry. A few verses later, in verse 23, it says Jesus began to teach. In verse 35, he began to deliver people from demonic forces. And in verse 39, Jesus began to heal people. You think about that. All of those beginnings here in Luke chapter 4. From that time to this time, Jesus' ministry continues to affect us. From that time until this time, His teaching speaks to us. The words of Jesus, maybe they're in red in your Bible, they speak to us. From that time until this time, demonic forces must flee at the name of Jesus Christ because there's power there. But it began here following this time, from that time until this time. We can pray for people and we can see people healed and raised up, glory to God, but it began following this time. See, I want you to understand here in Luke chapter four, before Jesus, before Jesus gave, taught one lesson, before he preached one message, before he worked even one miracle, and long before Jesus gave his life on the cross, for you and for me, I want you to see that Jesus pushed aside something essential and he prayed. It's very important that you understand that. It's very important that you understand the sequence there. Before all of that began, Jesus prayed. It all began with prayer. See, I want you to see this very simple, very essential, elementary truth and that is that this world is changed and it often by god and it often begins with prayer it's very important that world change happens through the power of god but it begins with something so simple so often out of the way so often in an unknown place unknown by others It begins with prayer. (laughs) And only God knows the changes that have happened in this world that did not begin with big billboards or big buildings or big events, but with people in a quiet place seeking God in prayer. Some of you know my a little bit of my family history because I've shared it several times before, and I will not share it in detail today, but I have shared how my mother, just 70 miles from here and 70 years ago, came to Christ, how she, in a small community outreach, how In that entire week, my mother was the only one who came to Christ. But the back story is that that outreach began when a family began praying about taking the message to those who did not yet know that they could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how it began. It didn't begin in a, in a storefront building where they brought in some speakers and they put them outside to turn on the music and draw people. It didn't happen when they brought in a minister to preach. It didn't happen when they probably provided some food for people and and, and got altar workers ready to pray with people. It began when a farm family began seeking God and saying, what can we do? to share Jesus with those who do not yet know him. They fasted and they prayed for people to be saved and people to be forgiven and people to be assured of eternal life with Jesus Christ. My mother's world was changed and subsequently so was mine, but it began with prayer. You see that the sequence that we see with Jesus, that all of that ministry that followed, immediately followed, in the verses just after this, that it began with prayer. It still happens this way. God continues to change the world, but it begins with prayer. I look at my life, and, and I remember how God called me into the ministry, but it began in. it Time and in a place of prayer, where I pushed everything else aside. I remember twenty-four years ago when we came here and how how God spoke to us. But He didn't spoke to speak to us with a phone call from someone, or a letter from someone, or an invitation from someone. He spoke to us in a place of prayer. In fact, I'd like to go around this room. And find out the many great things that have happened in your life, where your world was changed, because you or someone else began to seek God in prayer. Only God knows the number of people that are here because some father or mother or grandfather, I'm one of them now, or a grandmother began to pray for that next generation. Only God knows. How many here have been healed by the power of God because somebody, God put it on their heart or God put it on your heart to begin praying for that and glory to God, the end result is you were healed or delivered or set free or renewed. Your mind was made right, your heart was made right, your tongue was made right, your Your spirit was made right. But it began with prayer. It began in a quiet place. No one else around or few people around. You begin to intercede or others begin to intercede. Before things are seen. Before things are built. Before things are changed. Before oftentimes things are born. It's committed to God in steadfast prayer. I think sometimes we overlook the power of prayer. No, let me rephrase that. I know that we often overlook the power and the significance and the importance and the essential nature of praying. Before it happens, we pray for it to happen. You have your Bibles in front of you now Turn. A couple of chapters to the right to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Go ahead and turn there. It's a little further on into Jesus' ministry. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, reads this way. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. I I want you to notice Again, how Jesus for a time pushed aside another essential. It mentions nothing about food here, but sleep. He, he pushed aside sleep. It, it says again that, that he, he prayed through the night. Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying. To, he spent the entire night praying. I don't know what time that would be. What time. He began, or exactly, but he prayed through the entire night. Sleep is another one of those essentials, and boy, if you don't get it, you just realize how essential it is. It's so important to our health, to our well-being, to our survival. But Jesus, for a time, of course, you could not do this indefinitely. You can fast for 40 days. You can't go without sleep for 40 days, but for, for, uh, for a number of hours, Jesus pushed that aside and he prayed. Verse 13 tells us, when morning came, Jesus called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. There, there were already a number of followers, but there were more than, than 12. But out of that number of followers, he chose 12 of them. And he, he said, you are going to be my disciples. He chose 12 of them. And he designated them as followers of his. These were his first followers. These were the people, these 12 were the the people that he would train and equip and empower. These would be the ones who would initially, who were initially unlikely people that he would entrust with his message. (laughs) These were not people that I would choose or you would choose. These were people that were largely uh, unlikely. The jobs that they had would not naturally be thought of as something that would be more of a spiritual nature. These were, these were fishermen and tax collectors and, 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 and political zealots. These were people who did things that were far beyond what they would later do, but God had a plan. These initially unlikely people, he would entrust with his message. These would be the ones who, after his death, resurrection, and ascension, these would be the ones who would take it to the next generation and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Every one of us here this morning who has a living relationship with Jesus Christ can trace our lineage, if you will, spiritual lineage, back to one of these 12 people. Because they shared it with someone, who shared it with someone, who shared it with someone, and who through the course of 20 centuries eventually shared it with you. These were the people that he would entrust with his message. This was an important decision. This was a big deal. It was so important that Jesus pushed aside something else that was important, something else that was essential to do the even more important work of prayer. I want you to see this. The decision that he was was about to make. This is Jesus, the Son of God. He is God. He is divine. He had an advantage over every one of us. He had an advantage over every other person that's ever lived. But he knew that this decision was so important that it needed to be made a matter of prayer. And so he prayed all night. And the next day, he said, you, 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 and you, 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 and you, and you you're going to be my disciples before Jesus made the decision he prayed many here this morning not just some I think many here this morning are facing some pretty big decisions Now I don't know what that is I really don't um but it may it may be something relational. It may be a you you may be uh, dating or courting someone, and and you're you're wondering. Am I t- to marry them? It's a big decision. Maybe it's something with your job or your business. And there's there's a big thing ahead and. And you know that a lot rides on that. And you're, you're, you've had a little bit of a break maybe now over the few days, but boy, there's, there's some big decisions to be made. Some of you are maybe thinking about a change of location and, and, and you're wondering, should I, should I go there? Should I do that? And, and it's a pretty big deal. Some of you are making or about to make some decisions that are going to affect your body. Or your mind or your family. Somehow, it's going to affect your future. So let me ask you: If you're if you're facing some kind of a decision, regardless of its size, let me ask you: Are you making it a matter of prayer? Because see, we can we can approach decision making one of two ways. We can we can do it the way that that our world does it, right, the rational way. We look at the pros or pros the cons, and, and we go, well, there's, there's, this, is, this is good, this, this, if, if I, or this, is, this, is, this would not be good, and so we weigh it out, and then we, we, we base it upon that. Or we can base it upon our experience. Well, I've done this before, so I'm going to do this again. Or we can base it, some people base it upon their feelings. Well, I just feel like this, or or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, I just, I feel like this is the thing that I need to do. But I challenge you this morning, are you making your decisions, particularly the really biggest, I'm not talking about, sh- should I get, you know, with pulp or without. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about wheat or white. Oh, that's not, no, I'm talking about, are you making those decisions, following prayer? Have you sought Him about it? Are you seeking Him about it? Again, maybe it's major purchase, a job, location, a relationship. but Are you making it a matter of prayer? About five weeks ago, I asked you to consider fasting and praying the first full three weeks in January. I think it was about five weeks ago that I first presented this to you. Um, weeks after that, we would share a little bit more, a little bit more. We missed two weeks because of inclement weather. I didn't, wasn't able to give you that challenge during those weeks, but we've been sharing this. If you've been here at any point in these last five or six weeks, you know that that we've presented this as a, Something for you to consider now, also, you need to know that how we operate, we do not force anyone to do if you're new here at AFA or maybe you're visiting here um, we don't we don't have a a list where you will sign up and you will do something or else we don't operate that way i don't like I don't like that kind of uh, technique some some places it is very strong and and uh, you're almost ordered to and we don't do that here. But I, I began asking you some weeks ago for you to consider pushing something aside, and it can be it can be some hours in the day where you would usually spend more time sleeping. It may be some food, or it may be food uh, if you're if physically you can handle that. It may be food for a period. Uh, all food. Uh, we leave some of you I, I mentioned before. It may be something that has been occupying your time. And, and for the next three weeks, you need to push that aside and in its place, spend more time in prayer. I also shared a few weeks ago that we can become so obsessed about what we give up that we forget why we're doing it. And that the purpose is not just to go without something, but it is to go without that thing so that we can spend more time seeking God in prayer. And so what is it? Don't shout it out, but just in your mind. Have you been praying, God, what is it that you want to put on my heart? What is it that you want me to pray for? What is it that you want me to believe for now in this newest of years unlike I've ever believed before? What breakthrough, Lord, we sang about breakthroughs earlier. What breakthrough that uh, uh, some kind of a some kind of a stronghold or some kind of a lockdown that has been there for maybe weeks or months or even years and you know it's it's and 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 you're saying God I'm trusting you what what is it that you're praying for or going to be praying for in these first 3 full weeks of January what is it that you are seeking God for about the direction of your path or the direction of your future. What is it that you, God has put on your heart to, or who is it that God has put on your heart to pray for? I heard somebody talking this morning, and they were saying, maybe this is something that I am supposed to be praying for over the next three weeks. See, I believe that if we, if we say, God, put something on my heart to pray for, or someone on my heart to pray for, And put it on my heart so strongly that I'm willing to push something else aside so I can spend more time with you, seeking you earnestly, daily, devotedly, in prayer. I said, man, that's hard. Yeah, it is. But amazing things happen and amazing things begin starting with prayer. The ministry that Jesus did, he didn't do simply because he was the Son of God. But time and again, you see Jesus not only praying at the beginning, but in the midst of incredible chaos, in the midst of of overwhelming demands upon him because of what he could do. It says that Jesus pulled away from people. Jesus pulled away from things. Jesus pulled away from from, from interruptions, he pulled away from that to spend time with his father in prayer. And if Jesus, the son of God, needed to do that, how much more so do I and do you need to do that? See, amazing things begin with prayer. Facing one of the greatest decisions of his ministry, Jesus pushed it aside and he prayed. I have to tell you this morning that in these weeks since I've been calling you and, 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 and sharing this, that totally that on a voluntary basis, as the Holy Spirit directs you, and calling you to a time of, and I've never done this before. I've been here a long time, and I've never called the church to a, a, a t- to a time in which you consider fasting and prayer for a, an extended period of time, whatever whatever that might be. I've never done this, but I know I know about six months ago God told me that that we are to do this because we're to trust Him for greater things in this year than we've ever seen before that God wants to do something in you this year that to this point He has not yet done, but He's going to because we commit it to Him in prayer. So what is it? What is it? And since I've done this, if I'm going to call you to a greater level of prayer or a deeper level of prayer, God has called me to a deeper level. You see, I have to do this. Uh, And and God has been speaking to me. I'm, I'm totally being vulnerable with you there's not a day that's gone by that i haven't prayed i think since i gave my heart to jesus but like you sometimes the busyness of life just gets so i mean it starts like it starts like it's 6 30 in the morning sometimes goes to 11 12 o'clock at night and the needs and the demands are are such that that it's just going from one thing to another sometimes from one crisis to another And before I know it, the day is gone. And then a couple days before, between spending intense time with God and, and, and the Holy Spirit has had to deal with me. See, I've kind of gotten a little bit lazy sometimes in prayer. And so I understand that in me calling you to a deeper level of prayer, I've had to respond to that deeper call as well. Because I want to see God do greater things in this year than he's ever done in me or through me before. And so along with many of you, God has d- clearly directed me on some things that I'm to some some things that uh, some would say essential just to to push it aside. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't, but 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 I'm with you in this. And what decisions are you are we committing to the Lord in prayer? Some big things. Basing it upon your experience, upon your reasoning ability? Or are you saying, Lord, I don't fully understand, and I can't see around the corner, I can't see over the horizon, but I know that you can, and I want to commit it to you in prayer? It begins. World changing, amazing things begin with prayer. here's what's going to happen today and here's what's not going to happen today. We often have people gather around these altars. Now, I'm telling you straight up, anytime you, I will not tell, if you want to come up after we close this morning, you certainly can. We will not push you away. Never do that. But I don't want to close around these altars Because I want you to understand that the prayer is not limited to this space. It's going to happen when you get home. It's going to happen when you find that place and when you close that door and when you turn off that device and when you push something else aside and say for the next 15 minutes or 20 minutes, I'm going to get my list out and I'm going to write it down. And Lord, this is what I'm going to be praying for. I'm going to commit it to you. I need your direction. This is not my wish list to you, God. This is not what my list of demands. That's not how prayer works. But this is what I'm praying for. God, help me. Give me direction in this. And then you go about your business. And then later on in the day, you push that thing aside again and you spend some more time with God in prayer. I will say this, that next Sunday night, Should be the twelfth. Uh, we're going to have a prayer time here, here at the church. Nothing, nothing, uh, drawn out. Uh, nothing overly organized. We're going to have a few minutes where we're worshiping the Lord together, and then we're just going to let you pray. We're going to do that on the nineteenth as well, on Sunday night, the nineteenth, and we're just going to we're just going to see God and we're going to pray. We have prayer meetings here at the church on Wednesday, from anywhere from about eleven to one. People come and people go. We have a prayer room here at the church that, that you can use. But but I don't want you to underst- I don't want you to think that prayer is limited only to this space or to certain times. Because the prayer, the, the time that you spend in prayer outside this building, is going to be more important than the time spent inside this building. I want to trust God for greater things than ever before. I believe that God still changes the world. That he still desires to change a part of my world and your world, the world right around us. I believe that God continues to call people to do his work and to do his will as his hand extended. But it begins with prayer push everything else aside and we turn our eyes to Jesus. And so I want to begin this time and close our time here today in prayer. Would you stand with me, please? Without any any instruments, we don't need any instruments. Thank you, worship teams. But I want to sing a song, and I think we have, if we can get it up here, Jess, the song that we sang earlier called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. So it's, it's a very old song, powerful, and um, it's, a, it's a, a, a song that is simply a prayer or a declaration. I'm going to turn my eyes to Jesus i to look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth, the world around me, are going to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I want us to sing this together. If you don't know the song, the words are going to be on the screen. But I want, I want if you do, just close your eyes and let's sing this together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. In the light of His glory and grace. and Lord, this is our prayer. That in these hours and days following, as you have called us into deeper water, as you've called us into a deeper place of prayer, Lord, we know that there will be resistance. We know that the enemy doesn't want us to pray because there is power in prayer. And if there is power in prayer, then... Lord, the prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian, but if we do pray, if we seek you, Lord, then power goes out and our world is changed. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as people pray, as they fast and pray, as they push something aside, as they push something aside that they have deemed essential, not a sin, Lord, that needs to be repented of, but something Something that is is not sin, but it's just, it occupies our time. It, It occupies our attention. Lord, as we push that aside in these days ahead, and we give ourselves to a greater measure of prayer, perhaps, than we've ever done before, would you birth something in us? Would you begin something in us that will change the world around us? It will change the world of the generations to come. Lord, as decisions are before us and they're big, they're almost overwhelming. We don't know exactly what to do, which way to go. But Lord, as we make it a matter of prayer, we believe that you will direct us. So we pray these things. Help us to turn our eyes to you and look full on your face. And everything else will be in its right place. It'll grow dim, Lord, in the light of your glory and your grace. I thank you. Your blessing your favor upon people in the days ahead as they seek you in prayer and do mighty things in prayer. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.